Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we are in wrap-up mode reflecting into the book of Revelation. This evening, we will be getting into the last four verses of just not the book of Revelation, but because it's the book of Revelation, the last four verses of the Bible. That's exciting stuff. I know I've been talking about this over the past few days, how exciting it is to just not be wrapping up a study so as to get to the heart of what we have been talking about in its crescendo, but really mindful that we are doing this within the context of the Bible and that this is the last book of the Bible. So this is exciting stuff. And uh, speaking of exciting, I do have Debbie Rosales uh, in studio with me. So Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me. So Debbie, as I just mentioned, we are in these last four verses, um, four verses like so many other verses from, from this book that are so rich. Mm, So what I want to do is just jump right in so we can get into the heart of the subject matter. So we are going to be reading 22, 18 through 21. I warn everyone who hears the prophetic words in this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words in this prophetic book, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city described in this book. The one who gives this testimony says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So, Debbie, most commentaries have footnoted a number of passages from Deuteronomy, uh, notably Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, and Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 20. And as we have been elaborating in great detail, if you're going to understand the book of Revelation, you have to get into the Old Testament. Now, in many cases, it's been the prophets to the likes of Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. We haven't gotten into a whole lot of the book of Deuteronomy, Mm -hmm. but here you have some very important verses, because the warning at the close of this book is very similar to Moses' admonitions Uh, throughout Deuteronomy. Now, let me go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, and then again, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 20. And to our listeners, I would just encourage you to, as I'm reading these verses, pay close attention and ask yourself, what do these verses sound like? So Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, you shall not add to the words which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Chapter 29, verse 20, the Lord would not pardon him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would smoke against that man. Wow, strong. And the curses written in this book, note that word, curses, and the curses written in this book would settle upon him and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. What's important to understand here is that the book of Deuteronomy, Debbie, is essentially Moses' last sermon. That was given to the Israelites as they were on uh, the plain of Moab, getting ready to enter into the promised land. So why these 
uh, verses. Well, here you have a sermon essentially being given on the cusp of the faithful entering a new promised land. Mm -hmm. And what is the message? Hang on, right? Don't count the chickens before they hatch, because if you do, you may not receive your reward. You haven't entered the promised land yet. You're not scot-free yet. No, you're not. (laughs) And I think there's a tendency today, Debbie, to look at our life and maybe a life that has been converted to our Lord and think we've been saved. Yeah. But in reality, conversion is a nonstop process, a 24-7, 365-process until the day we die. Yep. There is always going to be a gap between the person you are and the person you ought to be. So live in that gap, which is the gap of becoming the person you are called to be. Never settle for this person that you think you've become and understand that as as it relates to conversion, there's always more to do. What Mm -hmm. did Jesus himself say? We must plow ahead, right? I'm not going to dwell on the good that I've done because there's still more good to do. And as long as, Debbie, there's still more good to do, that means, well, there's still more conversion yet to be had, not only in those around us, but within our own hearts. Mm, most especially. Most especially within <laughs> our own hearts, yes, because if our heart has not been converted to our Lord, and if we haven't, uh, and if we don't continually give it to our Lord, then <laughs> what we do is going to fall short of what God is calling us to do. Mm. And this is quintessential. So we heed this warning. We heed this warning. You know, a couple nights ago, I was going for a walk and on a number of different occasions, did I look over at a house and see caution, owner of a dog, right? <laughs> now, I, I have to ask the question. If for one reason or another, I wanted to go into that backyard, would I go into that backyard based upon the warning that I see on the fence? Probably not. I would probably find a fence or a house that did not have a warning, essentially. We heed warnings. Mm-hmm. We heed cautions. We see something and, you know, we take stock in that. Mm-hmm. We discern whether we should do something in light of the warning we have received. So the question is, Debbie, for you and I and for all of our faithful listeners out there, are we taking heed to the warning that we have at the end of this book? Mm -hmm. The warning that says, look in the mirror. Are you the person that I'm calling you to be and to plow ahead? And understand that there's always more work to be done, again, first in our hearts. And, you know, I I think of Moses as um, the father. He's the father of these children. Mm -hmm. And it's like his last, he's not following them into the promised land. He's not going to be there once they cross over, right? that's right, that's right. It's such a bittersweet time in Deuteronomy. It always kind of makes me a little emotional because Moses doesn't get to go. So this is his last this is what you need, guys. You know, and it reminds me of when you move out of the house. Mm. If you mm. think back, when you move out of the house and your parents are kind of giving you the last little instructions, you know, make sure you pay your rent on time, make sure you do all your assignments at school. Those important things, those warnings, they're going to lead you to a better and happier life. And this is what Moses is doing. This is what God continues to do every day. Yeah. Uh, Make today be a better day, Deb. Mm-hmm. Let's let's work on being the better version than yesterday. Yes. You know, yes. by the grace of God. Yes, yes. And it is only until that we enter into that truth that we do become the saint that this book is challenging us to become ultimately. I mean, time and time again do we read of this language of becoming a saint. Mm-hmm. And so 
if we're going to enter into what is at the heart of this, then yeah, we examine what that is all about. And another key word, and we haven't talked about this in a while, Debbie, but repentance mm. uh, and, and understanding that, yes, we all have our metanoia, that one moment of dramatic conversion. But like we've just been saying, if we don't enter into what repentance is all about, just not the contrition, but also the resolve, then then where are we headed? We have to be resolved. Mm, disciplined. Ha- yeah. We, we mm-hmm. have to understand that it is just not enough to be contrite for our sin, to be, to sure. be sorry for our sin. We have to be resolved to change. Mm-hmm. And that's really the barometer mm-hmm. of what it means to be fundamentally Christian. Where is your heart? Has your heart been primed to change? Change for the glory of God, mm-hmm. because that's what it's about. Um, I know we were talking before, Debbie, we came on air, and you were giving some numbers, and I, I thought this was uh, very important as it relates to the number of people that are leaving the Catholic Church. You know, I was struck. Unfortunately, folks, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I just recently was at a retreat, and and the priest who was leading the retreat was, we were talking about evangelization and how important it is. And then he began to give some pretty disheartening numbers. And he went back as far as the 50s. And, you know, um, the decline, you know, maybe 11%, 8%. And then we get to this period of time, about 10 years um, from 2015 back, and there was a near 30% mm. drop, yeah. decline. And in the largest group were the millennial the 18 to 25, 30 age group. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to weep. I really yeah. did. Yeah. I wanted to weep. But we see it all around us. Yes, we do. There's work to be done in the vineyard. Oh, boy. There's work to be done in the vineyard. You know, Emeritus Pope Benedict XVI said it before the church expands, it is going to first shrink. Why? Because those who are riding on the fence will just fall off. Yeah. Right? The church is going to get stronger if it first gets smaller. Because then you focus in on those who are serious about the faith, and then you uh, form them, you shape them, you evangelize and catechize them, and then you send them forth again, right? Right. So it is out from that that the church is going to expand once again. And uh, if we are a part of that church by the grace of God, go go you and I and, and all of us, if we are part of that church that is getting smaller, we must understand that, yeah, there is work to be done. Now, in saying all of that, What's interesting is, while there are a great number of people leaving, there are also a great number of people coming in. Mm -hmm. There have always been people leaving, but there have always been people coming in. The reality is, (laughs) the people coming in just haven't matched the people leaving. Mm -hmm. And so there's this kind of dichotomy going on, but when you really spend time with it, what you're seeing is that the church is actually getting stronger Mm-hmm. although it appears that it is getting weaker, because before it, it is where it needs to be, it must first shrink to then, as I was saying, expand. And what does that remind you of? It reminds me of John 6, all over the place. Mm. Jesus mm. is with a great number of people, and they start discussing, well, the Eucharist. They don't yeah. know that yeah. yet, yes. but yes. They, he starts speaking about himself being bread and broken and and... And the manna and how people died, but the bread is here and you'll live forever if you eat this bread. And and the folks started <clears throat> saying, How can you say this? How yeah. can you tell us we're gonna eat your you know, eat your body and that drink is, your blood? Yeah, that is, that is cannibal. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cannibalism. And yeah. and that is a, a, a sin in our culture. And the Lord is just willing 
to lose everyone. In fact, he turns to the 12. Yes. And he says, are you going to go too? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sorry, guys, this is where the rubber hits the road. And if you can't have faith about this gift, then, and I thought of that as the church, just as you said, it was like putting it into a sieve. Mm-hmm. He was shaking mm-hmm. him down. Yep. Wasn't yep. he? Yes, absolutely. Amen to that. And to talk about the Eucharist is in so many ways to really, I think, Debbie, get into um, verses uh, 20 and 21, these last few verses, because what's going on there? Mm-hmm. You know, you have the great amen. You have this language of, I am coming soon again. And we've talked about it a great deal. The I am coming soon, yes, it is to those Jews and Jerusalem. He is coming in 70 AD, but he is also coming soon in the next Eucharistic celebration. Yeah. And point of fact, the great amen is the great liturgical utterance. Mm-hmm. So what does the great amen mean? Well, the amen, amen in the Hebrew means so be it or so it is. Mm-hmm. We see it, you mentioned John 6 translated as truly, okay? Mm-hmm. Because in some translations you'll get amen, amen, I say to you in John 6, mm-hmm. and in other translations you'll get truly, truly, I say to you. So truly, mm-hmm. behind the Hebrew word, what is conveyed is this sense of firmness and reliability. To say amen, Debbie, is to desire God's promises to be fulfilled in your life and to trust that it will be. But again, it's a great liturgical utterance. If you were to go back into the Old Testament, it essentially confirmed either a blessing or a curse. This is why I was reflecting into this earlier this morning, Debbie, and I was made to go back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, and those all-important verses that come to us from Paul. And I'll go ahead and and start from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Listen to these verses within the context of what I was just saying. The great amen, and how essentially it is a pronouncement of where you stand, and the end result being a blessing or a curse. Verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the chalice after supper saying, This chalice is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the chalice, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here again, essentially he's getting back into not only, Debbie, the words of the institution of the Eucharist in in the upper room, but also John 6, huh? Mm -hmm. Verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone, and listen to these verses, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So essentially, to say amen, and to not reflect upon the meaning of what we are saying, Mm -hmm. and not only saying but essentially reflect upon our lives. Mm -hmm. And do our lives reflect this great amen, what I believe in? Because if you don't, and you take the Eucharist in an unworthy manner, in grave sin, that's sacrilege, Debbie. 
and you pronounce self-condemnation. Yeah, you do it to yourself. Yeah. This is you and God. Now, this isn't anyone <laughs> else's problem. No. This is about you and God. Mm -hmm. Amen. This is what I believe. So if this is what I believe, and I don't discern what I'm receiving, this is widely problematic. Mm -hmm. All throughout this book, we have been talking about the importance of, of the blessing and the curse. Mm -hmm. All throughout this book, Debbie, we have been talking about the importance of covenant language. The great amen is the seal, if you will, of all major covenants. So be it. It's what ratifies the covenant. So where are you at with that great amen? <laughs> are, are we discerning what this utterance is all about? Have we entered into the great amen? Jesus in the gospel, we read, right, is the embodiment of the great amen. I believe it's catechism paragraphs 1061 to 1065, maybe, that talks about how Jesus is the embodiment of the great amen. So let's take this word and give it some incarnation, give it some flesh in Jesus Christ. Do we believe in Jesus Christ? Are we living what we believe? This is what this is about. And if we don't, well, there's a warning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're back to the warning, Debbie. Mm -hmm. Are we heeding the warning? Because even what we profess, Debbie, if we don't live it, becomes a warning. It is so easy to point the finger at everyone yep. else. It is so easy, the old Debbie, log to, and the splinter. Yes, to, to point out everyone else's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. But what is so widely problematic today, mea culpa, is the failure to realize that in pointing the finger at what everyone else isn't doing or what they should do, we often fail in the same thing and our judgments of others judge us. Mm -hmm. What we believe, what we profess, our creed, judges us. Mm -hmm. Do you see? That's how truth works. You can call again a lie, a truth all day long, it remains a lie, or a truth, a lie all day long, remains a truth. Right. Truth is absolute, it's unchanging. So if we are rooted in the, the incarnation of the Word of God, we will come to understand that before we point the finger, we better first look at ourselves in the mirror and understand just not what the warning is about, but also what the great amen is about. Are we living up to the standard to which Jesus Christ has set? And in so doing, are we living in that standard? Mm -hmm. Are we professing that standard with integrity um, and discernment? I'm always fascinated, Debbie, that Paul uses the word discern. I mean, to come to understand. We are made to reflect upon. We are made to contemplate. We are made with the knowledge that we have acquired to come to understand what we are receiving in the Eucharist, and as such, to reflect upon the importance of our great amen. And isn't that what the followers in John 6, these were followers, folks. These weren't people who, um, these were folks that were following Jesus, yes, yes. going from town to town and listening to his teaching. And there must have been a breakdown of trust somewhere because mm -hmm. they didn't want to stick around to find out, to understand, did they? Yeah. yeah. They yeah. kind of stuck their, their feet down and said, wait a minute here. Wait, 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 wait. That goes against what we know yes. and, you know, and all those things. <clears throat> they failed to discern Mm -hmm. Is the is this teacher in front of me trustworthy? Would mm -hmm. he lead me astray? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a bigger that's a bigger deal, you know. 
And he is, he's like he does for us. He's a gentleman. He's not going to make us stay. He doesn't say, oh, wait a minute. I'm just speaking figuratively. I, I didn't mean that. Oh, yeah. sorry to offend you. Yeah. No, he said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. You know, this is important. And then to turn to the apostles as 12, he was ready to lose it all. Please take John 6 to prayer because mm-hmm. it's, it speaks of everything we deal with that is against, you know, the warning here is don't add, don't take away. Yeah. yeah. Right? Don't make cultural laws that make you feel comfortable. Yes. You know, yes. if you if you're in a church that says, "Well, abortion's okay if, you know, if it's hard for you, you know, if you're young." No. 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 Don't tell me that's in scripture. Yeah. Jesus Christ is the full revelation of truth. Yes. Right? There's nothing more to add on. Nothing. And certainly there's nothing to take away. I mean, who would look at something so beautiful, adorned with so many riches and say, oh, it needs something more. Oh, I think I need to take that I away. I made no. a mistake here. No. No. You don't look at the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen and then try to fix it. There's a reason why it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Mm. Jesus Christ is the incarnation of the fullness of beauty. Mm-hmm. He is the way, the truth, and the life, as we are reminded in John 14, 6. And as such, there's nothing more to add here. No. Absolute truth. And as such, absolute beauty and certainly absolute goodness. And this is what we are called to enter into. And we do so humbly. You talked about cultural laws. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has permeated American popular culture and beyond, Debbie, is this mindset that we have the power to change. And on a level, we do, Mm -hmm. succulently speaking, finitely speaking. But if our laws do not reflect the natural law and the divine law, well, then what do those laws reflect? But what we think we know, and we are reminded in Proverbs 3, 5, you do not rely on what you think you know, but you trust in the wisdom of God. So if you remove the wisdom of God, why do our laws today reflect not God, but Satan? Well, because you removed God Mm -hmm. from many of the laws. The consequence of that is going to be a culture of death. Mm -hmm. And so together with faith and reason, we put laws together that reflect, again, the natural and divine law. And in so doing reflect the nature of truth, truth as it was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, we were talking about Deuteronomy earlier, Debbie. Mm -hmm. What does Deuteronomy mean? Deuteronomy means the second law, Mm -hmm. right? Moses is known as what? The lawgiver, right? The lawgiver. How about this last verse, Debbie? No, we don't have a whole lot of time left. Did want to make sure we hit this last verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all the saints. Amen. So you have this kind of closing prayer, closing uh, doxology. Mm -hmm. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Remember, who are the saints? The saints are those Christians who have done everything that we have been talking about this evening, Debbie, Mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The saints are the ones that, yes, first and foremost, I've learned that you want to know what, you're going to fall, and it's just a matter of getting up a second time, a third time, a fourth time. The saint is the one, the Christian who understands that he or she is a sinner, and that they need what? Grace. Mm -hmm. 
the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Because if you don't have the grace of the Lord Jesus, you're not a saint. Amen. Amen. The book closes, amen. So be it. So it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Essentially, to be with each and every one of you who is serious about living a life of sanctity and holiness. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. You know, we are coming out of the Christmas season, Debbie, and what is one of the great verses that we hear? But Emmanuel, God is with us. Mm. The sense of with, the sense of belonging. This is what Jesus gives the church. Lo, I will be with you always. Lo, I will be with you always. This is what he, he promises to us. And he fulfills this promise by giving us the Holy Spirit, which essentially confers the grace necessary to become the people that we are called to be. And so this is the dynamic that we enter into. And we do so saying, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Yes, come, Lord Jesus. Do we want Jesus to come to us? Mm -hmm. Or are we not quite ready yet? That's kind of the end question, huh? (laughs) There is a not-so-subtle challenge at the end of the book of Revelation. Are we ready to allow Jesus to enter in? To say yes, yes, to say amen. Are we ready to let Jesus in? A number of programs ago, Debbie, I think you and I re- were reflecting upon the I am coming soon, and mm-hmm. we were playing around with the image of waking up in the morning. Yep. Are we dressed when the door knocks? I think it's what Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart. Mm-hmm. Are we ready? Are we saying, come in, Lord Jesus? Are we saying, welcome? Are we saying, I've been waiting for you for a very long time. It's about time you got here. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're saying? Or are we saying, um, hold on, Jesus. I got to go get dressed. Yes. I got to go mm-hmm. do the dishes. I got to go. Got to go. Got to go. I've got some repentance to still take mm-hmm. care of. I have to still forgive more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do need to do all that yes. with him. Amen. With him. And he's with saying. Him. In him. Yes. Him. Yes. With, in, and through him. He's saying, open the door. Let come and see. In. Come and see. I want to show you what it means to live a vibrant Christian Catholic life. Let God surprise you. Mm. Let God surprise you. You know, Debbie, we have lost loved ones. Mm-hmm. I think all of our listeners have, have lost someone close to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, and I don't know about our faithful listeners, but I have recently been made to reflect more than I have in recent times about those who I was close with and who have passed away. And to just stop and think what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And it just gets me excited to mm-hmm. think about. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of that excitement is, come Lord Jesus, just come. You yeah. know, just come on, yeah. come on. There's work yeah. to be done and I want to do it with you. Yeah. That's the grace of death, I think. That, that's the grace of, of faith. By the grace of God go you and I. It's the grace of, of Jesus Christ that he's given to us. Amen. 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 All right, let's close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.